Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. Once again, I'm talking with Aiden. We had just talked to him. If you want to hear that podcast, please go to silverbirchranch.org or relate365.com and you can download those and listen to it at your leisure. Aiden, I got a couple questions for you. Now, Aiden is in his early 20s. I'm in my late 60s, hence the younger, older kind of thing. We're just talking as two people from different generations. And I think it's extremely healthy that you talk to people who aren't in your own generation so that you can get a perspective on life that uh, you cannot have unless you do that. I cannot have the perspective that Aiden has as a 21-year-old unless I talk to him and try and figure out why do you think this way. He cannot have the perspective in his mind of a 67-year-old unless he talks to me. And it's not that one of us will be right all the time or wrong, but we do have perspectives. And we need to listen to each other so we can adjust our thinking in certain areas that we may know nothing about. Because there are things, Aiden, believe it or not, there are things that I could care less about that you probably are really important to you. It's like my cell phone. I could care less about it. Whether I know where it's at, whether it's on, I really don't care. Now, I say that to some younger people. It's like, well, you need to. Or they'll say, why didn't you communicate with me? And I'll say, I don't know. Did you try and contact me? And they do it through something on Facebook or something. And I sit there and think, I never checked that. You know, well, why don't you start? I don't think so. So there's a 67-year-old answer right there. And then I think, well, maybe I should because your generation does it a different way and I'll never be able to communicate again unless I do something. So uh, interesting that you can talk intergenerational and I encourage you to. Uh, The tendency really is to push people out of your life that are in those different generations and just to hang out with people in your own. But the problem with that is you can never really learn anything because most of the time you're locked into it. For example, Let's say you had a fourth grade child and they went to school early in the morning. So they got up at six in the morning. They had breakfast. They get on a bus at seven in the morning. They go to school and all day long they're with fifth graders, fourth graders, whatever grade they're in. All right. So all day long, fourth graders dominate. There's one adult in the room, but they're among their peers. Then they go after school. They come home. They grab a quick snack that you left out for them, and they go out and they play with fourth graders until, you know, you tell them to come in for supper. They come in for supper, they eat it quickly, then they go out and play with fourth graders until they call them in and go to bed. That's how my summer schedule used to be, uh, or nice weather schedule. So, So my day was dominated by fourth graders. Now you say, well, there was some interaction, minutes of interaction with adults. A real healthy young person has meaningful conversations intergenerationally, and you need to look for those. That's why I encourage families, sit down and have supper together. Sit down and talk together. Actually talk to somebody who's older than you and ask them about life. And Aiden, you've always done that uh, kind of thing, and, and I've appreciated that. But that's what helps you get perspective and gain perspective on both sides. Uh, because I would never know what a fourth grader is thinking about unless they talk to me. And uh, you've been here while I've spoken to uh, junior camp, and uh, I love those kids. You know, they'll come up and just start talking to you and talking to you about life so you know where they're at, you know what they're thinking, and you can talk to them very efficiently then because you, you understand 
what they're thinking about, what bothers them, and, and what they get excited about. So let me ask you some questions. As a 21-year-old, what does uh, success look like to you? At 21 years old, by the time you're, you're laying on your deathbed now, you're 90 years old, you're looking back on your life, and you're going to determine whether you were a success or not. Well, what are the factors that are going to determine that on that day? Well, part of me is going to think that I won't even... I won't even feel success at 90. I think I think for me, I'll feel success when I'm in front of God. He says, welcome, my good and faithful servant. Okay. So so success would be if you stand before God and he says that you were faithful. Now, what would you have to do now to make sure that he says that? Follow, follow his word, what it says. To be holy, to love others, to, if I was to get married, to... Love my wife like the church. Just like Okay. All right. So you would have to listen to God now because if you stand before him, it, do you know what day you're not going to be here anymore? You do, do you know what day you're going to die? Nope. So it could be today. Yes, it could be today. It could be 10 years from now. Yes. could be 100 years from now. That sounds painful, but yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, you'd be really old. You'd yes, be I would. 121 years old. But it, it, in other words, you, you don't know that. Will you for sure die? Yes. Will you for sure be around tomorrow? No. How about that? So the certainty isn't in life. The certainty actually is in death. So what if you live as if your death is certain? Then you'll then you'll live with the the right things in mind. Bingo. And you'll probably be successful. Because you're living with the end in mind rather than the moment in mind. And that's a huge difference. And I encourage young people, you know, you, you don't have to be morbid, morbid about thinking about death. I might die today. But the truth is, back deep down in your, your subconscious, you realize, I could die at any moment because everybody does. And when you die, you will face God. And if he says, well done, my good and faithful servant, he doesn't lie. He's not going to say it if it wasn't true. So if he says it, that's your measurement of success. So then today you need to live with that in mind. And um, I would encourage you to put up some reminder somewhere that that's the goal. Because it's easy to get out of sync and forget what you're here for. Before you know it, you're living for a hamburger. You know what I mean? just because you see them and you smell them and uh, you're drooling all over the place. So it's like, no, now I'm living for that. The, the bottom line really is you've described success as standing before God. I would describe it with two words, having no regrets and having God then look at you and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. So now I would suggest you write that somewhere, that that's your goal and start writing things that will help you achieve that. Now you've got a plan. And without a plan, anyone who has a goal but doesn't work at it, it's not a goal. It's a dream. Goals you work at. So, for example, um, if I said I wanted to lose 10 pounds, that could sound pretty noble to you. You go, oh, that's really good, Dave. You want to lose 10 pounds. Then I'm eating ice cream and, and, and uh, doing all kinds of stuff, throwing bags of sugar down my throat, you know, stuff like that. And I'm doing all that. And you're going, your actions aren't really. And I, 
you know, Aiden, I'm really trying to lose weight. Now you're watching me eat, and my words don't match what I want to do. You can honestly say the idea of losing weight is a dream, but not a goal. Because goals are something you set steps to get to. And the last uh, podcast together, you talked about possibly going to the military, and you'll, you learn that. You learn that there are steps you take yeah. to get anywhere. But likewise, spiritually, you know, if you want to know God, if you want to know God, what do you have to do? I have to read his word. I have to pray. I got to be, I got to strive to be the holiest as I can be. Okay. You, you got to read his word. So are you reading his word? Yes. Okay. So is there a plan for you to read his word or you just pick it up and haphazardly read it? I am planning, I'm trying to read all of the New Testament by uh, January. Okay. So you have a goal. Yes. And, and you have a way to measure this goal. Yes. Okay, so now you have a goal, you have a way to measure it. Now, knowing the Bible is one thing, applying it's another. Do you have a goal that says you want to do anything with it? Well, not really. Okay, well, let me give you an example. Let's say you and I went and you, you told me, I really want to learn to weld. I really want to be a good welder. Okay. And let's say I was a good welder, which I'm not. But let's say I was. So, so we went over and I gave you all the instructions and, and now you're a good welder. And I go, good, what do you want to do with it? You go, I, I want to weld. But then you never weld. You never buy a welder. You never go and weld. You, it's like, what did you get this for? What did you want to learn to weld for is my question. You don't weld. You don't want to weld. You don't want to own the equipment. You don't want to do it. Well, I really wanted to learn how to do it. Okay. But for what? There's no application. And and some people live that way. It's like, no, I, I know this, but I'm never going to use it. If you don't use your arm, it atrophies. If you don't, you need to use it. So you, you've heard us talk about the illustration. The Bible is, is kind of like the food that you eat, right? Yeah. Now, if you eat more food than you exercise off, what happens to you? You get fat. Ah, is that really a, a, a hard thing to understand, or we understand that pretty easily? Pretty easily. Yeah. So if I take more calories in than I expend, I get fat. Now, if I'm really fat, it's really hard to, to live an energetic life, isn't it? Yes. The heavier, I, I've been there. I've been a lot heavier than I am today. It it weighs on you, get it? Weighs. Yes. Yeah, it, it weighs on your joints. I mean, it's just... It makes you slower, makes you more tired, all that kind of stuff. Well, I know the principle. I'm taking in more than I'm putting out as far as calories. People can get spiritually fat too. Then keep taking in the Bible. Keep taking in the Bible and don't use it for anything. Before you know it, they're, they're just spiritually obese. <laughs> they have all this information that they haven't used. And even if they get a chance to use it, they'll probably have a spiritual heart attack because they haven't been using it and they're huge spiritually and they just don't use it. So I encourage you, when you learn, when you read the Bible, take a note and say, this is what I'm going to do differently. I'm going to apply it. Now all of a sudden you're using the calories you're eating. Um, when I was your age, I did two different things in the Bible. Number one, I did what you're doing, read through so I get the context. 
And when I read through it, I'm not thinking about applying it or anything at that point. I'm just reading through it to get the context of it. And then I would read another time during the day, and I would read until something struck me. Like, I need to think about that and change something. Now, that's my when I'm starting to work off, you know, the calories. Okay. So, so now I'm reading it, and I'm thinking, okay. Um, so I get to the point in the Bible where it says, you know, that we need to take care of the orphans and widows, because we used that one before. So I'm, I'm sitting there going, okay, am I taking care of orphans and widows? Hmm. So now I'm going to sit there, and I'm going to work at applying it. Now I'm actually using the calories for something. Now, I may not go start an orphanage or anything else because what I want to do then is dig into that passage a little more. And we were talking about this earlier during lunch is, is the idea that orphans and widows really represent a group that can't pay you back. So we as believers, we don't use people. We love people. So we go out there and we, we work with people who really can't pay us back. That's what we do. And we take care of them. So now I'm thinking, who can I help that can't pay me back? Who can I just care for? Who can I show the love of Christ for? That's what Jesus did for me. While I was still a sinner, he came down and died for me. So now I want to apply that in my life. Now that's the spiritual exercise I need. Because if I'm just going to take in, I need to take care of orphans and widows, and I don't, then I'm not using the spiritual calories like I should. I need to use those spiritual calories, not just store them. Now, I'm not against storing some of those calories because there are times where you need them. Yeah. Uh, for example, if there was a great tragedy in your life all of a sudden, let's say you're, somebody died that you're very close to or whatever else, there's moments where you don't, you're just in a numb state. I think the spiritual calories that you stored at that point, God brings those back up and you start using them at that point. You know, and, and because you just don't feel like reading. You don't feel like you're, you're in a numb state at a point. But I, I've been there, and it's amazing how God brings the scriptures back to mind and different things because he realizes this is the time that you need it. You've read the Bible. You've been in it. You know what it says. Remember this. Remember this. Remember this. And you're using it again, and that's very important. So read the Bible. You need to read it. You need to know what it says, but then you need to actually work at applying it somehow so you don't get spiritually obese does that make sense or is that crazy pie in the sky stuff no that that makes sense cool cool uh how are you preparing for uh life's emergencies um or are you not really no i kind of think that when an emergency will come that that, you know, God will help me through it. And those ways could be, you know, you know, maybe just, you know, maybe he's just hovering above me a little bit higher then, or maybe he puts more people in my life to help me through it, you know, like. I, I guarantee he's everywhere at once. He's not hovering higher or well, lower, but in from theology class, which, of course, you remember. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, bottom line, really, though, is this. God knows what your future is, right? Yes. Since he knows what your future is, he'd be preparing you today for what's coming up tomorrow. Yes. Now, he knows how to do that. Yes. I'd, I wouldn't because, first of all, I don't know what's coming up tomorrow. So I couldn't prepare you for tomorrow, but God can. 
So you always want to be sensitive to what God is doing in your life as far as teaching you goes. But let's say, let's use money for an example. Let's say God gave you, you're walking down the path here at Silver Birch Ranch, and all of a sudden you bend over and you see, ah, somebody left 10 bucks here on the path. And there's nobody here. There's no one to give it to. So it's like, okay, I got 10 bucks. Or you're somewhere or not camp. It's just on the street. You find 10 bucks, whatever it is. So you take that 10 bucks and you realize, all right, I just got 10 bucks. Yeah. God gave me 10 bucks. I didn't earn it. Didn't earn it. I just got 10 unexpected bucks. Now you can think about those $10 in several ways. You can say, wow, 10 bucks. I'm going to go buy all the Culver's ice cream I can eat for 10 bucks. Sounds like a good day. It does. And so you go and you just waste the whole thing on Culver's ice cream. Okay. So you, you have it or uh, soft, whatever they call them, custard, custard. So you go, you go buy all that stuff for 10 bucks. What you didn't even ask God what you should use it for. You just took it. Now, what if God gave you that 10 bucks because there was something coming up where you needed to use it and he provided it for you? But you never even asked him about it. So you used it for ice cream. And right after you ate all the ice cream, you come out of Culver's, you go about a block and you're walking and there's a homeless guy sitting there. And you go, "Ah, I wish I could give you something. Well, you could have if you didn't have the ice cream. Could it have been that God gave you the 10 bucks to give the homeless guy? Probably. Well, see, again, I don't know. I'm just saying, could it have been? And if it would have been, but you never even asked God for it, did he prepare you for the future, but you didn't listen to him? So that's what I'm talking about. It's, it's kind of like getting in the habit of saying, okay, God, I don't know what tomorrow brings. So I want you to guide me today so I'm ready for tomorrow or the next event or whatever it might be. Because what you said earlier is, well, God will take care of me. He'll do it. You're right. He loves you. He'll take care of you. But if he already provided for you and you wasted it, is he going to provide for you again? See, I don't know the answer to that. I might, I doubt it. Because he already did provide for you. Now, could he? Well, he could do what he wants. He's God. But the bottom line really is, I think we need to get in the habit of seeing the everyday events in our life as something that come from the hand of God and that he prepares us for things in life that we need to be prepared for. And not just, oh, look it, I get to go indulge myself on something. Maybe you should have looked for someone that needed a meal and bought it for him. Maybe you should have put it in the bank because a year from now you're going to need $100,000 and this is the first 10. You know, I don't know, in other words. Um, but I do think if we waste what God's given us today, we may not be prepared for tomorrow. And then when we get there, you know what our habit is? We blame God for not preparing us. And he probably says, I did, but you weren't listening. That could be for school, too. Could be for anything. Because God could say, here, I've given you this opportunity. I think of what if somebody's supposed to go, like you went to Nicolay Bible Institute, and God really wants someone to go to Nicolay Bible Institute to prepare them for, you know, we, we've trained some missionary pilots. We train you know, different people that go different places, just people work at Woodman's, you know, and, and represent God there. So, but what if you weren't listening to God, so you didn't 
come to Nicolay Bible Institute, would you still be prepared the way you should be? No. See, so the idea is look to listen to God today so you're prepared for tomorrow because God's the only one that knows what tomorrow is actually going to bring, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Cool. What, what, if I were to ask you, number one problem in the world, you're looking at the whole world now. What's, what, the, everything that's going on, what do you think the main problem is? I think people being selfish. I, I, I agree. That's, that's pretty interesting that you go right there. But when you're self-centered, there's all kinds of little things that happen in your life that destroy the world. Um, God made people to love not to use. And if you're not living the way you should, you use people for your benefit, but you don't love them. God made himself to love, but people use God. In other words, oh, I don't think about you at all. Like our nation, for example. Our nation, in a moment of tragedy, often says, let's pray for, you know, let's have a moment of prayer. And I think, really? That's using God. You don't even talk about him in a positive way until there's a tragedy. And when there's a tragedy, you're going, oh, we better pray. But until then, he's not a part of your life. See, I think as a culture, we've gotten used to using what we should love and loving what we should use. For example, we, we love money. No, money's to be used. We use people to make money. No, you don't use people. You love money. I mean, you love people, you use money, you use your talent, you don't love your talent. You use your lawnmower, you don't love your lawnmower. You know I mean? There's, there's things in life that are really weird if you get to it. You were made to love God and to love people, but nothing else. And if you end up using what you should love and loving what you should use, you're going to be in a big, big trouble. Uh, when you uh, look at the news or anything else, is there anything going on? I mean, what do you think about the war in Russia and what's going on there? What's, what's the solution to it? I know that the, the theological solution is people need to love God, love one another. Is there, do you see any hope like in a political resolution to wars or, or the state of our country or anything else? Well, state of our country... I personally just think, you know, we got to get someone up there that's got God as the center focus. You think they're electable? Yes. Do you? Yeah. So you think as a young 21-year-old, if, if I got up and I said, I'm running for president. You'd be, I'd be your first vote. Yeah, I, I know you would because you know me and you're my friend. So that, that would work fine. But you think I'm electable if, if they said, well, how would you operate? I would say, well, I'm, um, I'm a Christian. So if I have a decision to make, the first thing I'm going to do is pray about it. I'm going to look into the scriptures and try and see if the scriptures have anything to say about it. So what would you do about abortion? I would make it illegal if I could. Yeah. Now, that isn't my process as president of the United States. I, I cannot make something illegal or legal. That has to be the Congress. and the, you know, yeah. They have to pass laws like that. But my take on it is that it's murder. And I could never allow um, my office to justify the murdering of innocent children. I just couldn't do it. Now, with that said, do you actually think I'm electable? I told people I was going to pray about it. I'm going to use the Bible. And I think it's murder if you abort a child. 
now we, we in a, in the last episode we went over you know LGBTQ or whatever all those letters are that and, and people and and again I would say I think God made people male and female, and I would legislate that way as president. Now again I I don't have all the power. There's a judiciary and there's a a legislative body and and I would be the executive branch, but I think if I actually took the stand that a Christian would take. I'm not sure if I'd be electable in this nation anymore. And I think I would have been 25 years ago, maybe. But I'm not sure I would be anymore. I think you would vote for me and maybe some of the other NBI students, but maybe not even all of them, you know, would because they'll get back at me for the grade I gave them or something. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure. Um, but the bottom line is, I think when I look and I try and figure out how do we fix the political system in the United States of America. Do you got any ideas on how that? I mean, look at the, the guys running are both under indictment, are, are both being accused of illegal activity. And, both and, are old. Thank you. Yeah, they are. And I agree with you. I think it's time for younger people to get into office and make decisions because I think there's a, a good old boys, good old ladies club going on in Washington, D.C., but I'm not sure of that. Again, that's not a biblical perspective. That's just my own. I just want to give your generation hope and I'm not sure that the people in Washington, D.C. right now are the ones doing it. Um, I'm not sure what the answer is, though, because I'm not overly political in my life and how I do things. Um, however, that's something that your generation has to think about. And, and that's why I wanted to ask you, you know, what do you do? And, like, just thinking about it, I think with all these, you know, I think people are not sure of anything in life anymore. You know, marriage used to be something permanent. Now it's not male and female used to be something permanent. Now it's not, you know, I think people are just, you know, confused and, you know, they're looking for, you know, they're trying to figure it out. And I think sooner or later, I think, I think they'll start re coming. I think they'll start re looking at God going towards God because of all this worldly stuff of money, of power, if all this is not filling what they need, I, I truly think they'll start sooner or later looking towards God again. Well, you know, I appreciate that attitude because really what you're saying is you believe that the people of the United States of America are going to see the emptiness and the confusion that they're caused by being godless, right? Yeah. And that that'll cause them to start looking for someone who has some answers, and the only answers are found in God's Word. So we need to find someone who knows God's Word and he'll stand by it. One of the things that's hard to do, though, is people that know God's word are being accused of hating everybody who doesn't follow God's word. And we talked about that in the last podcast. It's not about hating. It's about disagreeing. I think that God's way is right. And I think that the Bible makes it clear how he made us. And if we align with it, I think there's hope for the future. But if we don't align with it, I don't think there's any hope for the future. And uh, I hope you're right on that one. I, I haven't heard someone answer it that way, but I like what you're saying, that, that if people would just take an honest look at where we're at, uh, suicide levels up, depression levels up, anxiety levels up, well, those things are up for a reason. They're not down. They're up. Well, you can't just mask them. If you want to fix them, you got to go back to God. Once again, I am Dave Wager. I'm here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch. And with Aiden, who is a former student here at Nicolay Bible Institute, I invite you to check out the NicolayBibleInstitute.org website. And if you're the right age, you finished high school, we invite you to join us for a year. But for now, 
I bid you farewell and thank you again for taking time to listen to this podcast. Goodbye for now.